0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
3: Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on the extended version of Inside Sources today. Uh, very pleased to be joined by our friend, pollster Scott Rasmussen, uh, dialing in. Scott, how are you today?
4: Doing great, Boyd. Life is good in New York City, a little different from Salt Lake. Though.
3: Just just a little different, a little different. Uh, well, in, in reading your column today and some of the uh, new numbers that, that you released, uh, it just struck me. I, I did an interview uh, that will air uh, next week with uh, Joel Peterson, chairman of JetBlue. Uh, he is doing a, a new version of his book, The Ten Laws of Trust. And uh, we had this great conversation around many of the things as it relates to business and and trust and what do you do when trust is breached. Uh, But you've been looking at this for quite some time, Scott, in terms of of trust in government, trust in big institutions. Uh, Tell us what you're finding.
4: Well, it's no surprise that people are more skeptical than they were in an earlier time. And what really drove it home for me this week was the reaction to the death of Jeffrey Epstein. You know, officially people were told it's a suicide But only 36% of Americans believe that's true. Mm -hmm. Nearly as many believe he was murdered. The rest just aren't sure. In fact, 9%, I mean, this is an unbelievable thing to me, 9% of American adults think it's likely that Epstein faked his death, escaped prison, and is alive somewhere, and You know, we've seen this in TV shows, but you wouldn't believe this in the real world if we had trust in our governing institutions. Uh, But right now, just 19 percent of voters, about one out of five, trust the federal government most of the time. It's been nearly half a century. It's been since 1972 – that a majority of those voters trusted the federal government most of the time. And this is a, a huge issue that nobody wants to talk about on the campaign trail. Candidates want to talk about their issues and their agendas and how they're going to save the country. And yet. There's this big question of why should we give the government more power? We don't trust it to begin
3: with. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. So, again, uh, the numbers, 19 percent of voters today trust the federal government to do the right thing most of the time. Forty-two uh, percent rarely or never uh, trust it with the rest of them, kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt every every once in a while. But I, I want you to drill down for a minute. Uh, you mentioned that it's been almost a half a century Uh, since the majority of Americans, uh, I mean, Americans have always had a little distrust for big government. I think that I think that goes back to a a king named George or something like that. But uh, uh, how do you see that continuing to play out? And more importantly, Scott, how do you see that impacting society today?
4: Well, you know, let's start with the fact that after World War II, there was an aberration. Our, Our country did, our federal government ran a successful war um, and so for a decade or two there was a fair amount of trust in the federal government um, if you read some of the speeches by presidents in those days about how the government was the only thing to saved us from going into a depression after the war and things there was a there was a, a level of trust that we can't begin to imagine but then we had the assassinations and riots of the 1960s we had the Vietnam War and then we had Watergate and ever since those events just took took a toll and and restored that and perhaps deepened the the American longstanding skepticism about government. Uh, And something else that has slipped in, and again, it doesn't get discussed too often in political circles, but you and I have talked about it uh, at different times. There is a difference between government and the country or government and society. And right now, a majority of Americans, 53 percent believe the country is doing okay, but the political system is in crisis. Uh, they're worried, perhaps, that the political system will drag the country down, but they are seeing all of this toxic discussion and all these problems that are faced as part of the political system, but despite that, the country's doing okay. Uh, again, something that our political leaders are really missing on the campaign trail.
3: Yeah. And, and do you see it, Scott, as, uh, I want to kind of get a two-parter, uh, at you here. And, and one is that distrust in, in government. Is that starting to, to fray the fabric of society? Are you seeing, uh, that in any of your trends? Uh, and then also from the campaign trail, uh, a lot of times those candidates are saying, are saying, you know, just trust me. <laughs> just, I I heard that over and over in Washington. You know, just trust us, just trust us. And I I think we've got to flip that. I think uh, we've got to get government to trust the people. Uh, I think that might be the better part of the equation.
4: I I think that's a very good way to put it. Uh, You know, overwhelmingly voters believe that politicians do not respect them. They think that our political leadership is not trusting. Uh, in fact, they have a sort of condescending attitude towards voters. Um, and at the same time, when we've asked people in the past, what are the most important things that you can have to make a healthy political system? Uh, two things are always near the top of the list. One is free speech, mm-hmm. and the other is leaders who respect their voters. Uh, so I think that's a, a part of it. And when you ask about is society fraying, um, society is certainly decentralizing. Um, you know, we, we now have the internet where everybody can find their own kind of meetup group whenever they want to hang out with people with similar, similar likes and dislikes. We have moved into areas, um, you know, the, the odds of finding a Republican in New York aren't quite as high as they are in Utah because we've all self-selected where we're living. Right. Um, and so, so we are, um, I I don't know that I would say it's fraying, but because we have become so decentralized, we haven't learned how to have a national conversation where... We can respect each other, acknowledge the differences. Um, It it was much easier when there were only three television networks, and we all saw the same things on television and all heard the same news. We don't have that world anymore. And so I think we are going through a very difficult time of trying to learn how do you have a national conversation, respecting different views respecting different localities, different interests. Um, and it's a painful process.
3: Yeah, I, I love that point, Scott, of, of relearning how to have a national conversation, I think, is, is so important. If you're just joining us, we have Scott Rasmussen, uh, pollster uh joining us uh, on the line today talking about trust. And uh, just in our, our last couple of minutes here, Scott, uh, I, I mentioned earlier I, I have this interview that will air as a podcast uh, coming up in the, the weeks ahead with Joel Peterson, who's the uh, chairman of JetBlue and also a founding partner of the investment management firm Peterson Partners. And we were talking about this very issue of trust. He has these 10 laws of trust. And I, I wanted to get to this because you you mentioned that respect for voters. And one of the things that struck me from Joel Peterson from JetBlue was he said – you know, sometimes when decisions are made in organizations and the employees that are most impacted are not consulted, uh, th- that is right. one of the biggest violations of trust because it it shows a lack of respect for the employee, for their job, for what they do every day. How are you seeing that on the national level?
4: Oh, absolutely. People, uh, when we talk about the political process, Hardly anybody believes their political representatives care about them. Uh, Only 22 percent of people believe that their own representative in Congress cares about what they think. Um, So when you talk about being left out of the process, most people do not think they could get in to see their representative if they had to, to talk about an important issue. If they got in, they don't believe they would get a serious hearing uh the only way they think you would get in is if you either knew the guy growing up or if you wrote a big check so there is a a clear sense of exclusion uh, at that level um and there is you know a sense and it's very populist and it's a uh, drive a very clear sense that Uh, Big money is driving a corrupt process, and it's not Republican or Democrat. But again, most people think their own representative in Congress, not somebody else. Most people think their own representative in Congress trades votes for cash. So when you talk about being excluded and feeling they're not not being heard – um, absolutely true. We also know that right now that uh, about one out of three Trump supporters say they're hesitant to speak up because they feel they will be harassed. Uh, we know that uh, Representative Castro just released the names of some Trump uh, donors in his district uh, and seven out of 10 people think that those people that those donors are likely to be harassed and that their employers are likely to be boycotted. Uh, on the other hand, uh, nearly as many are actually a little bit larger share, 82 percent say um, they think that Trump supporters will rally around these people. But it's kind of crazy when, uh, you know, when you're getting to this point where where there's not a rational political process that people can feel
3: comfortable with. Okay, fantastic. Great insight as always. Scott Rasmussen uh, from scottrasmussen.com. Scott, always appreciate your insight uh, on a really important and timely topic today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, boys. All right. We'll have uh, Scott back again real soon, uh, always providing some some great things. And I, I love this connection to trust. Uh, I, I mentioned that we're going to air an interview I did with Joel Peterson from JetBlue uh, on this very topic of trust. So stay tuned to that in the uh, days and weeks ahead. We'll uh, share that with you as we go along. All right. Time to step aside for top of the hour news. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation around leadership. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Stay with us on KSL Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is the extended edition of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way till 3 o'clock today when we'll pass the mic off to the great Jeff Kaplan, who will get you home safe and smart on a Thursday. Uh, we're continuing our conversation with Kevin Orman, uh, great speaker, great leader, uh, great trainer. Uh, his book is called The Constitution of a Great Leader, Leadership in the 21st Century. And, uh, Kevin, we appreciate you being with us today. And I, I wanted to, to ask you... Uh, you've you are a cancer survivor yes sir. and i want to talk about what did you learn about leadership uh, through that challenge and that test
1: <laughs> well you better uh, you better uh, train your next replacement for one thing because there's nothing quite like the feeling of the doctor saying hey kid uh, if you don't do something about this you're going to die mm. um uh that's that 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 unless you've experienced it, you can only imagine it, uh, uh, it, it just, you know, there's, there's sometimes there's no tomorrow. And so you've got to train your replacement. You've got, ideally you want everybody to be able to step up into a leadership role and you've got to train them how to do that. Uh, it's a key element.
3: Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because it's a, again, indicative of the society that we live in kind of this win over rather than win with world that, that we have, uh, that there are a lot of leaders that not only are they not uh, developing and training their replacement, uh, they're actually hiring people that are less than who won't challenge them or who won't, you know, really give them a test or, or give them a run for their money in terms yeah. of uh, thought, of what I they're doing. Those,
1: I call those so-called leaders. I don't call them leaders.
3: <laughs> that's, that's good clarification.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's an element – Two is just because you have a title just because you have a position, just because you've been elected, just because you've been appointed, whatever that does not make you a leader uh that what makes you a leader are what I call the three c's I mean Kevin with a C as my name is spelled, and uh so I came up with these three c's and these are in order of importance character conduct, and charisma mm.
3: that's great that is great so let's let's drill down a little bit uh on character. Uh, because it, it's an issue that we often talk about, uh, again, both relating to politicians and a lot of business leaders have been in the news for uh, clear cracks in their in their character or fatal flaws. Uh, how do you actually develop that? Again, I think in today's world, it's harder to really develop that kind of leadership uh, strength that's galvanized, that can really withstand the, the big tests. It's easy to be a leader when things are going well. It's, it's the real test is what do you do when things go wrong?
1: Oh, absolutely, and and the other thing is is that uh, you know we could add another C word in there, and that's courage. And I would say social courage is a key element. You got to be able to stick your head up and just say, "Hey, wait a minute, time out here, guys. This is this is not right." And um, be prepared um, for uh, for them to come with a lawnmower and try to chop you off because you stuck your head up. you know? yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's inevitable, and uh, that's. That's just the way it is. There's a lot of reasons for that. But at the end of the day, you've got to make sure that you're developing that that character. And nobody has perfect character. Uh, Maybe there was a guy a couple thousand years ago who did. But the rest of us, none of us ever have perfect character. And so, um, you know... Are you going to emphasize the flaws? You're going to say, "Hey, wait a minute! I got to do better today." See, my only competition as a leader is me yesterday. I want to mm. be better, a better leader today than I was yesterday, and I want to be better tomorrow than I am today.
3: Yeah, excellent. That's great insight. Uh, Kevin Ormond is with us. Uh, one last question. Uh, we've got about a minute or so to go here, and uh, you raised this. We've been talking about this all day today, and that is this aspect of trust. Uh, and you say that a uh, a true leadership principle. Is that great leadership requires two way trust? The leader must trust their people, and the people being led must trust their leader. Uh, tell us a little more about that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because you see, if if you're responsible, see that's the leader's gift of the world is taking responsibility. If you're responsible, um, you know, and I talk about this when I speak in, in at greater length, and of course it's a more in the book, but uh, taking that taking that responsibility is is uh, you've got it and so now the question is how are you going to execute and if you don't trust your people and you try to micromanage it isn't going to work we've had we've seen that over and over and over again you've got to trust your people conversely your people have got to trust you so that when problems come up they bring them to you rather than let them fester and boil until all of a sudden now we got we got broken arms and broken systems and broken whatever else that is uh, is much more difficult to repair than if we'd caught it early, and so uh, this two-way trust allows then the whole thing to work, uh, you know, more synergistically. Better, you get better ideas. You know, 20, 20 heads are better than one, and that's just the reality. Or however many there are, uh, that two-way trust is is crucial for that to happen.
3: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Kevin Orman, uh, author of The Constitution of a Great Leader, Leadership in the 21st Century. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on Insight Sources today. Great insight, lots to think about. appreciate your work.
1: Oh, thank you, Boyd. Thanks for having me, and uh, and I hope you enjoyed the book.
3: All right. Great, great stuff. All right, again, that's uh, Kevin Orman uh, on the line with us today. We appreciate his insight. As we've been talking about leadership in, in all its forms today, uh, and especially this this area of trust. If you happen to miss uh, our uh, segments there with Kevin, uh, you can get those uh, in the podcast. So you can go to the KSL News Radio app and uh, get the podcast there, or you can go to KSL dot com and go to the uh, podcast page, and you can download any of the uh, previous segments uh, as we get those up there and a uh, chance for you to to review. And a lot of ground to cover today. There's uh, definitely segments today that you ought to go back and do a re listen to or or share with a good friend. Uh, some good insight there from our friend Scott Rasmussen, uh, Jason Perry from the Hinkley Institute. Uh, lots of uh, great insight today on the show. We're going to continue that conversation as we roll along. And uh, I, I want to just wrap up this segment uh, and tie in a couple of things that that Kevin shared with us, some of the things we, we heard uh, out of Scott Rasmussen and his polling. Uh, and then I've mentioned that uh, we'll be airing next week a- an interview that I did uh, with uh, JetBlue chairman. Joel Peterson and Peterson partners, uh, around trust, uh, because I, I just am convinced that trust and the lack of trust and repairing breaches of trust is really a test for the country. It's a test for so many businesses. Uh, one of the things that I love that Scott Rasmussen shared again, coming from his polling, uh, where we really are lacking trust in, in America today, even trust in each other individually, uh, but Scott talked about this concept of the fact that the American people do not feel that their elected representatives respect them as voters. And I saw this over and over and over again as a business consultant, that when employees don't feel like leadership respects them, that when big changes happen in an organization that they're, they're not asked to weigh in, that nobody really gains an understanding of what their job is or what the processes are. What are the daily disciplines that they execute? Uh, And I've seen this in all kinds of organizations where you have these massive changes and nothing works. And usually it doesn't work because nobody asks the people that do the job. And sadly, that not only breaks down the, the business functioning, it breaks down the trust. And once that trust is gone, rebuilding that is so, so difficult. And and we see that again. We're we're seeing that as that disconnect between voters and elected representatives. That if you don't respect me as a voter, if you don't trust me as a voter, uh, if you're not going to be transparent with me as a voter, uh, that that makes it really tough. Uh, and so, how do we do that? How do we rebuild that trust? It's one of the things that uh, Joel Peterson mentioned in our interview. Uh, is that there are ways to rebuild trust once it's been breached, once it's been broken. And uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll, uh, we'll get into that next week uh, as we move along. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for the bottom of the hour break. When we come back, Rachel Scott from ABC News will join us. We're going to talk about the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, refusing to let two members of the House of Representatives go into Israel. Stay with us. This is Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.